0: Welcome to the FEMI pod. These are conversations about females for everyone to listen to, learn from, and engage with. Brought to you by your FEMI founders, Esther Kewin and myself, Lydia O'Donnell. Welcome back to the Vivvy Pod. This is episode number thirty-four. Thank you to everybody who's been tuning in so far. I am Lydia, and as usual, I'm here with my co-founder and bestie, SD. This week, we are going to talk through the importance of sport for the next generation and how we can keep young girls moving. But before we get into that conversation, we wanted to catch up a little bit on what we've been up to, but more importantly, what's been happening around the world, and more specifically for the women in
1: America. But
0: before we get into things, Est, how are you? What's been going on?
1: Uh, What's been going on? That's a good question. I think just lots of work with Femi. We've got lots coming up, which is really exciting. And uh, I head to Christchurch tomorrow to be with some of our experts down there. So I get to hang out with Grace and Sierra, our amazing nutritionist and physiotherapist with me. So I've got a little bit of work going on down there. And then I get to head over to Aussie for about three weeks where I'll be with Lyds and a couple of the other coaches and a lot of friends throughout Australia. And I get to see my sister in Perth. And I get to go to Sydney as well, which will be really awesome. So I'm really excited for that trip. And then running is also going well. And I am feeling really good. I did 80 Ks this week, which is my biggest week in like 12 weeks. And yeah, feeling good. My body's a bit sore, you know, like it's like, whoa, running is painful, but it's like in a good way. So I'm very happy. Yeah. Apart from that, life is really good. Running's going well. And how about you, Livy? What have you been up to? Yeah, same. Pretty good. Things are rolling along nicely,
0: which is great. Training's going pretty well. I'm just enjoying it. I'm in Melbourne at the moment and had a lot of work on here recently with Nike. So just been really busy, but busy is good and yeah the body is feeling pretty good too so training is good um and yeah like you said S, we've had some pretty exciting news about femi recently so we're very excited for the future of femi and what is to come um we've got some pretty big things on the horizon which is very cool we'll keep you all posted as those kind of progress um so we'll keep the community involved in the movements that is going on in the femi world as well but yeah everything is really good in my world but But I think um, with the news and things that have been coming out recently around the world, it has been a pretty shocking and disheartening last few days. And yeah, I think it's important for us to kind of have this conversation, knowing that we aren't living and breathing the situation that a lot of American women are at the moment. It still somewhat affects us. And we really feel for those women who are in those positions who feel like they're losing control of their own rights to their own bodies, which is shocking and crazy and I just can't even get my head around how it must feel to be in that position. So we did want to talk about Roe versus Wade and I think um, what we will do is just chat through kind of some of the hard facts and give you a bit of our opinion on the situation knowing that we aren't experts in this field but we do have the right to say our opinion and our um, feelings being the woman that we are. So, S, do you want
1: to jump in and just chat about, like, what is Roe
0: v. Wade and why is it getting overturned?
1: Yeah, so, like, let's say these are all based on facts and credible websites and studies that have been done by institutions over time. Uh, So Roe v. Wade is the name of the lawsuit that led to the landmark 1973 U.S. Supreme Court decision establishing a constitutional right to abortion in the United States. So the majority opinion found an absolute right to abortion during the first trimester of pregnancy. A constitutional right trumps all state laws. So whatever was in place prior to Roe v. Wade was nullified between each of the states, and the constitutional right prevailed that women have that right to that decision about their body. The decision that was made in 1973 was that although protection had to be balanced against the government's interests in protecting women's health and the potentiality of human life, the conservative-leaning court said a woman's decision to have an abortion during the first three months of her pregnancy must be left to her and her doctor. So that's that's what Roe v. Wade was. And then basically there's been another case that was brought forth to the Supreme Court And that was Dobbs versus Jackson, Women's Health Organization, which is a case on the constitutionality of Mississippi's 15-week abortion ban. That will specifically address whether a state can ban abortion before viability, generally 24 to 26 weeks of pregnancy. So the Supreme Court uh, took that case. And basically the other day it was overturned. So that means that that constitutional right, that kind of protected woman in all of those states is now gone. So whatever was in place prior to and potentially now will come into place is what's going to be governing a uterus owner's ability to have an abortion. So crazy
0: and so sad. And just to think that, you know, we are now in 2022 where we like to think that the world is progressing. It just isn't like the fact we're going back in time by not even just a few years, like all the way back to these times where women just don't even have a say on their own bodies. I just can't even fathom it. And I don't know enough about American politics to kind of understand exactly how and why this is all happening. But Esther, do you want to jump in to just chatter more around like, what is going to happen now that the Roe vs. Wade has been overturned?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think, like, what's important to know is that, like, 61% of Americans think that abortion should be legal in almost all cases. So there's, like, a Senate of nine people who decide what actually happens. And if that Senate has more Republican versus Democrat or vice versa, no matter what the people want, those people make the decision once it gets to the Supreme Court. So obviously there was more people in the Republican Party. So there's, I think, five versus four. And that's why they won. Whereas, you know, if you look at the numbers, more people want it to be legal in America. So it's But even that like 61% stat,
0: that's crazy that only 61% think that we should legally be able to have abortions. Like even that's shocking.
1: I agree and that's I think you know it reflects yeah a really backwards view that a lot of people probably still have but I think you know just the fact that that can go through when that many people in America so the majority doesn't want that to go through is pretty bad but yeah I think you know what's going to happen now like I said before so whatever was in place prior to Roe versus Wade and the state laws and then Uh, potentially other states may follow suit and change their laws if that's what they're inclined to do. Basically, that's going to be what's going to be in place as law in those states. So there's 22 states at the moment that have some form of a ban on abortion, uh, and that can change from anywhere, such as Texas, I think, is the total ban after six weeks. So regardless of whether you're raped or anything happens to you, you can't get an abortion so that's kind of the most extreme end and then some other states are a little bit different but beyond the 22 states there are four that are likely to follow suit so beyond the 26 states certain or likely to attempt to ban abortion immediately other states have demonstrated hostility towards abortion by adopting multiple restrictions in the past but are not likely to ban abortion in the near future but notably, North Carolina has a pre row abortion ban in place, but it's unclear if the state's law would be implemented quickly. So that just shows you, you know, basically half or more of America has now ban abortion in some sense of the word, which is really sad. And then, you know, I think a really important aspect of, of what will be impacted is like maternal mortality rates. So the U.S. already has the highest pregnancy-related mortality rate of all high-income countries. If abortion access is restricted, pregnancy-related deaths in the U.S. could increase by as much as 21%, with Black mothers disproportionately increased by up to 33%. So those in lower socioeconomic areas, of course, will be affected more so because they've got less access to viable options and money to basically fund what they're attempting to do and make that decision for their body. So... It's really sad because it's, you know, carrying a baby full term is quite risky. And it's the number one avoidable cause of mortality worldwide. And this decision to sort of ban abortions in a lot of places will increase that even more so. I think, you know, a really sad number is that pre-Roe vs Wade, 5,000 women died per year in the US from unsafe abortions. And I was doing some reading before this and, I was reading like the ways that woman died and it was, I was crying. It was so sad, like what they would do to try and, you know, have access to something that we should have access to. That's, you know, our right to have healthcare and make a decision about our own reproductive rights. So it's going to have a lot of impact on that. And then I think another really important thing is that access to abortion impacts mental health. So women who have had ex- access to abortions versus women who are forced to carry pregnancy to full term, have higher anxiety and depression levels, lower self-esteem and less life satisfaction. So it's going to have a really big impact, obviously, you know, on the death of woman, but also the, the mental state of women as well. And then I think a really important thing to talk about is one of the Senate is this man called Justice Clarence Thomas, And his words were, there's no need for them to concern themselves with such things anymore, though. They've got the vote. So that's basically meaning the Republic can have, the Republics have the vote. Um, So Thomas is so confident in this that he just went ahead and wrote in a concurring opinion that they're also coming for the right to contraception, same-sex marriage, and whatever else they feel like. So the reason that this is dangerous is that there's so many other aspects of rights, such as, you know, same sex marriage and women having access to contraception that could be at risk here because of the, yeah, you know, who's in power at the moment. So it's quite scary and obviously, you know, um, not a happy day for women in America, but potentially others as well.
0: Mm, My gosh, thanks for all the information. I think that's super helpful, but just like, yeah, shocking and so sad. And I think about the, yeah, the risk that women are going to be put under, not just to get illegal or, you know, at home abortions, but the fact that these women's mental health, I think about the young girls growing up in a world where they don't have control over their body. And it's simple things like trying to build relationships with opposite sexes where you, you know, want to get intimate with your partner, but thinking that there is this potential that you potentially get pregnant. And if you can't afford, or you aren't in a situation to raise a child, the anxiety and stress that would put upon, you know, woman to think that if they didn't want to have that child, they potentially will go to prison for it. I just can't even imagine that going through your mind when you, you know, your right as a human being is to create connections with other people. And if you can't do that because of a law that is making you anxious about the fact you potentially will go to jail, it's just like, how is that even possible? It's so sad. So what are some of the issues um, that that are going to stem from this case?
1: I think, you know, you nailed it. And obviously this is, you know, this next part is our opinion, uh, but I think, the argument at the moment, regardless of whether it's religious or not, they're not considering the rights of women and also the rights to healthcare. So I think those are two really important parts of the argument that aren't really being considered. And then uh, like women's bodies are their own or uterus owners' bodies are their own. We make our decision about our bodies just as men or non-gendered people do. So that's obviously why rape and genital mutilation and all those disgusting things without consent of the person at the end of the action are so unbelievably unfair and disgusting and then this is the same thing so when someone takes that control away from a uterus owner in this case to make a decision about their body then you're taking away their fundamental right to choice I think that's like for me that's one of the biggest issues of this whole thing but and then I think the other important thing is that abortion will happen regardless of whether or not this is legal. And what will happen is that women will just put themselves at risk, especially women in those lower socioeconomic areas or potentially no access to, to funds or help. You know, they're going to do it in a way that's potentially going to put their, them at risk as well. And I think, you know, for me, when I flip it and look at it from another lens, like it makes me sick to, to even think about it. But like if a council, I think, of, or a Senate of seven women and two men made it a requirement for men to have a vasectomy and that was a constitutional law that you had to have a vasectomy, this places all the responsibility on the man, but also probably makes them feel very uncomfortable because their bodies are being ruled and decided for them or they're, they're being told what decision they can make for their body. And that's being made by five people.
0: Yeah. And I think that just is like sums everything up and it's not about saving lives and it's not about this potential life that is going to be born. It's about power and it's about the patriarchy and it's about men having ownership on women. And that is like it in a nutshell. And I just think it's really sad that they've had to go this far and go to such extremes to take this control back because they feel like they're losing control in a world that hopefully is becoming more equal. It's just terrible. And I think everybody knows and everybody can see it. At the end of the day, it does come down to who's got the power and trying to prove something to women and non-gendered people, which is really, really horrific. So what, what, what can we do? Yes. Like I know we are on the other side of the world, but we are women and, and we're here to support other women in uterus owners. Is, this, is there anything like that we can do from where we are to help the women of America and push back?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the same as anything, education is probably one of the most important things So really understanding the issue and getting educated so that if you are having discussions with other people, you know, the facts and you can have a really, you know, powerful discussion that could potentially make people think about the way that they feel towards this issue so that's probably number one and then you know number two is donating to groups working to fight this ruling so Planned Parenthood United States of Women Reproductive Justice Hub like those two you know not for profits are fighting against this ruling so starting there could be really good if you've got the money uh, to put some towards that and then Femi, we're we're working on something to support the woman of america so stay tuned for that uh stay up to date with protests happening in your area if you're keen to go and protest alongside other women and men and non-gendered and non-binary people and then i think a really important one is to not give up hope and feel doomed you know we've been here before before roe versus wade and those women fought back and they made their way out of that situation. And we have in so many different scenarios, you know, we fought to play sport. We fought to have the right to vote. You know, there's so many, so many fights that women have had to go through to get closer to equality and we will do it again. And I think rallying, rallying around each other and showing your support is, you know, really powerful. And yeah, I think those are probably the main things from us, but yeah, stay tuned for the, for what we'll be doing at Femi and and Ray's, you can help through that.
0: Yeah, thanks Est. And like, it just to me seems like just the biggest waste of energy and waste of time. Like everybody knows we should own our rights to our bodies and we're spending all of this money and time and energy to like try and push back on this conversation when there's so many other things in this world that need that time and energy and effort, you know, like why can't we fight against like climate change I just think it's a conversation that we shouldn't even be having like I can't believe in 2022 we're having this conversation um and like saying like don't give up hope and let's not feel doomed about the situation we're in and that women have been here before but like the fact that we have to go back and do all of that again just blows my mind like it's so sad isn't it
1: definitely and you're right it is like going back in time like I love that there was that meme and it's like um, time zones are so weird like I'm in Australia it's 9am I'm in New Zealand it's 11am and America's back in the 1950s and it's so true like we're literally going back in time uh, to a time that wasn't good for women so yeah not a good
0: not a I good think what forward. is what is awesome is seeing yeah the amount of attention and support that is going on on social media and although some of the memes are kind of like funny it's also like Pretty crazy that we're even having to have these conversations. Definitely. But we are going to flip the switch a little bit here. I think it's all kind of intertwined because we're talking about equality and we're talking about confidence and we're talking about how we can build that confidence in women. And a big part of what we do and what we believe in at FEMI is the importance of sport to grow confidence in females um, all over the world. So we wanted to talk more today about keeping young girls in sport and we know like the rate of girls dropping out of sport through their teenage years is two times that of young boys and there's so many reasons to why girls are dropping out of sport and we wanted to chat through them but before we kind of dive into like the reason why we wanted to talk more about like why we actually want girls to stay in sport and there's so many amazing things that you can get from sport. And we've talked about this a lot through our own experiences growing up as young athletes. But the biggest thing for me is like the confidence that you get from playing sport, that confidence that you build through movement and seeing your body do things versus seeing what your body looks like, Um, seeing your body make progress and achieve things like, and creating that direction and purpose in your life through the movement of sport, whether it's a team sport or an individual sport, there's so much you can gain from that that teaches you a lot more than just about the act of the actual sport itself. It teaches you so much about life. And there's so many similes that come from like running and a running journey and training towards a race that you can take and use all of those tools and lessons in your own life, whether it is, you know, your relationships or through education and your career Um, there's so much you can gain through sport. So yes, what is like, I guess the top three things that you've learned through being a young athlete and growing up as an athlete, as a teenage girl, what are the things, the three things that you kind of go back and think, yeah, like, I really thank sport for that.
1: I think, you know, obviously before I went through the eating disorder and quitting sport, I think for me, and you talked about it when we sort of, you psychoanalyze me, but it was like that fearlessness, (laughs) so I think because I was a good runner and when I was junior I still am a good runner and I think for me I was like fearless and I think it's coming back now like that fearlessness and both you and I we have founded a company together and quite often we're working with you know men or having meetings with men and me and you are quite fearless and I think that's really because of sport and that ability to kind of like push yourself to the absolute limit and be like I'm going to just go after this and you go and you do it so I think probably like yeah that fearless kind of mindset and confidence from sport I would say definitely the connection and I think we've talked about this a lot with other people I started running maybe not so much running I think running was probably more competitive side but then it became really fun and social and I was like oh this is really fun and then it got a little bit toxic and then now I'm back at that point where I'm like I've met literally my best friends like the coolest group of women and men that I know through running so I think you know just having that connection of people that are all after the same thing and I guess, having those awesome conversations when you're running and making friendships. I think for me, that's another thing. And then the third thing is probably, yeah, that understanding my limits So or the lack of limits. I think, you know, when you really put your mind to a goal and then go after it and you get it or potentially you don't get it, but you see how hard you worked and what you're kind of capable of, I think that helps you understand your own limitations or lack of limitations and I think you know I was thinking about one of the girls that I mentored with this with this point and they went to Outward Bound and they did Outward Bound and they had the best time of their lives and They push themselves to the absolute limit. And after that whole experience, they came back and said that they no longer have limits and they feel like they can do anything. And I think that's what sport kind of does as well. It gives you this understanding of yourself that if you really try hard and you go and you put yourself in these situations, you will most likely be able to do more than you think you can. So I think, yeah, those are probably my three, like that fearless kind of courage, the connection with other people and then like defying your limits mm-hmm. what about
0: you I love that I definitely agree like the connection side of things when I was a teenage girl and played multiple sports it was like the social element of like creating relationships with people through the active movement I think that was like definitely one of the first things that engaged me into sport was just being around other people and building really strong friendships with like-minded people and it's definitely what I still do today you know like most of my best friends yeah like you have come from running or from some form of movement that I do and I love that Um, you definitely find people who you just connect with through sport, which is awesome. I think two other things that sport really taught me when I was young and I still, you know, am so thankful for today. The first one would be like the, the act of goal setting and like setting a goal and chasing it. And at school, it was like, I want to win my school cross country. And like, that was my big goal for the year. And like, now I look back and I'm like, you know, winning high school cross country means nothing to me now, but at the time it was like the biggest thing and the biggest deal to me. And I set that goal and then I took those steps to work towards that goal. And then when I achieved that goal, it was really rewarding and really satisfying. And it made me realize like, as cliche and as cringe as it sounds, hard work pays off, you know? And I learned that lesson very early on. And I think I probably initially learned that through ballet and dancing. And then I started like kind of taking what I learned through those 10 years of dancing into running. And yeah, I think that like reward of like work hard and you can achieve anything you want. I, I learned that and I still obviously use a lot of that. And that's a big part of like who I am today. And then I think the last one, I learned when I was younger is through sport is all about resilience and I think resilience is such an important thing in life to be aware of because I think in sport it's never always going to go your way like sometimes it might go your way and sometimes you'll achieve your goals but like a lot of the time you won't in a, in a running race you might not win you might not hit your time you might drop out you might not feel good you might not have a good day but it's about like getting back out there and doing it again and not feeling disheartened or um, at the end of the day quitting, you know, like I think that I, the idea of resilience, especially as a female growing up in a world where we are being told we can't do things or we're not going to get the attention or the money or the opportunities that men are going to get pushing back on that and being resilient and just going after it anyway, I think is super important. And I definitely think sport taught me that as a young girl and, through that idea of resilience and goal setting and chasing dreams and creating connections with other people, all of these things, I feel like both of us as chatted to, like lead to that building confidence in ourselves. You know, the more confident we can be in our sport, the more confidence we can gain from our sport and take that confidence into other areas of our lives. And that's why at FEMI we're so passionate about keeping young girls in sport like, yes, Sport is amazing because it's movement and it's exercise and it's going to benefit our physical and our mental health massively. But the most important aspect of what sport can do for you is build confidence in who you are. And we live in a world where so many people lack so much confidence and it's so sad and disheartening to see. And and we just need women, especially in the world that we're in today with situations like Wade getting overturned we need women to be confident in themselves. We need women to stand up and speak and push back. And yeah, this is why like we're so passionate about movement and sport. It seems like such a basic thing, <laughs> but um, the change it can make in who you are as a person is huge. So we're going to chat through like why we think young girls are dropping out of sport and the issues that are going on around the world and how we think we can keep those girls in sport. And I think both Esther and I have been through experiences when we were teenage girls that made us step away from sport at times. And I was about 17 when I stopped running for about 18 months to two years. And a lot of the reasons why I stepped away was a big part was around confidence. I ended up going to America on a university scholarship and opened my eyes up to the really competitive nature of athletics. And I think I just felt like I didn't belong there. Um, And I didn't ever think at that time, I didn't believe that I would ever be successful in that, I guess, arena. And so I came back to New Zealand and stopped exercising and stopped running um, and took a big hiatus from sport. And I think through that period of time, it really made me realize how important sport was for me, but the, I guess reason why I stepped away was because of the competitive nature of it. And I really like loved running, but I didn't want to be in that super competitive environment. I know I'm a competitive person, but I like to think I'm more competitive with myself than other people. And I guess I just wasn't confident in who I was either. I had a lot of body image issues that we've talked a lot about recently. And I just didn't think I deserved to kind of be the athlete that I, I want. I know wants wanted to be, but I don't think i thought I was worthy of it. And that was a big part of why I dropped out of sport. It's yes, your journey kind of started a little bit earlier, but like you ended up quitting sport around me at the same sort of age.
1: Yeah. I think I was, yeah, 18, 17, 18. And yeah, I think last week kind of put it in a nutshell, but mine sort of came from scrutinization about my own body and other people around me as well. So sort of like led to a hatred in my body and then going from being anorexic and, and super tiny and then suddenly having to eat all this food, which was a blessing, then I, you know, got my period. My confidence probably dropped even more because suddenly I was bigger than I used to be. This body type that I didn't identify as a runner's body. You know, we talked talk about it last week, but I didn't identify in that space in my own mind. And I probably, you know, yeah, that led me to sort of hate my body and not want to be part of sport anymore. But I think, you know, another really important one was for me, the, the drop in performance. So I sort of was a very successful athlete. And then once I got my period back, put on some, some weight, went through puberty, my performance dropped. And I think that's not talked about enough. And that going through puberty is a massive change in your life and your hormones are suddenly going in the cyclical kind of manner that they've never been through before and you have to suddenly adapt to that and think that you're still going to perform at the exact same level I think as junior athletes we need more education about the fact that it's okay to sort of go through a little bit of a slump and I think you know I shouldn't even call it a slump or a dip in performance so I think for me that played with my mind so much because I had so much of my identity riding and the fact that I was a runner I had so much pressure to be elite and win and continue that successful streak and when I was losing I guess I lost that kind of identity of being like that winning athlete so yeah I think those were all part of it but yeah it was just not a fun time and I wasn't enjoying it anymore and I think there's so many reasons that young girls drop out of sport and the ones that we've listed are part of it but What do you think is kind of missing their lids and and what are some other important factors for young girls dropping out of sport?
0: Mm, I also think back to like when I was a teenage girl, I was so lost. Like I think there was definitely a time in my life and I think super normal, but not spoken about enough and that you have so many things going on in your life when you're a teenage girl and a teenage boy, but definitely as a female, we have so much pressure and expectation on us to be living up to the standard that society's told us we have to live up to that you almost like get overwhelmed by the opportunities that are out there. You don't know what you want to do with your career. You don't know what you want to do with your life. There's so many things you have to figure out at that time of your life. And I was definitely in that position. And I was like, I knew I loved working hard. I knew I loved sport, but I didn't know what that was going to lead me to. And I think if I ever said to someone when I was younger, I want to be a professional athlete, they would have literally laughed in my face. I just remember people like would speak down to you in a way that like, that's not possible. Like, who do you think you are? You're a girl. You kind of like need to go to university and get an education and do all these things because that's what society tells you to do. And that pressure turned me off. You know, I, I stopped running. I didn't get an education. I just didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Like I didn't know what I wanted to study. If I did even wanted to study at all. And I think, I just had that time in my life in my later teenage years where I completely lost myself and my sense of worth and my purpose. And we don't talk about that enough with young girls. I think they're, we're living in this world where it's such a digital world and everything is moving so quickly. I can't even imagine what it's like for them now, but even just being open to the conversations to girls being like, it's okay to not know it's going to take time to find your purpose. Like, find your values first and figure out what you enjoy doing. And like we've done simple tasks with the girls that we mentored, even to the point of just like write down things that make you happy throughout the day, because by highlighting those things that make you happy, it will show you what you should be doing and what you should be chasing after in your life. And I think there's just not enough of that conversation going on. I think young girls are just being put under way too much pressure that, when it comes to sport, if one thing has to go as a teenage girl, I think one of the first things that girls let go of is sport because they don't have the confidence to stay in sport if they're not like super competitive and playing it or competing at that elite level. And then they, they they just like feel like they have to live up to these expectations that society has unfortunately created for them. And that was a hundred percent me. So yeah, I think the points that we've kind of chatted through are from our own experiences, but I think other things that we know needs to change and things that um, can really impact girls wanting to partake in sport is around their education or lack of education when it comes to hormonal health and menstrual cycles and talking to girls about periods and like, letting girls understand that a menstrual cycle is not just having your period for one week of the month like your hormones are changing all the time and this is what happens and this is why and this is how you're going to feel and that is okay and that is normal and like let's embrace your menstrual cycle because that's going to allow you to embrace your body and fuel your body the right way and you know we see how prevalent eating disorders and body image issues are amongst teenage girls in this day and age and A lot of it stems like we spoke about last week and the week before from social media and those pressures. But if we can actually educate girls on like the importance of having a menstrual cycle and that you can actually play sport on your period, you know, there's all this media and stories that we've been told throughout our entire lives that when you have your period, you need to sit down and eat ice cream or like you might be able to do like some stretching and slow things down when actually, in fact, if you feel okay and you're not having too many symptoms you can actually go and train pretty hard and perform pretty well. So it's even just changing those conversations, I think is really, really important in educating girls on more about their periods. I think through the work that we've done with the FEMI scholarship and just teaching these girls about their hormonal health, like it's from the feedback we've had, it's been huge for them to actually learn more about their menstrual cycles than the fact that they get a period for five, six, seven days of the month. And that's that.
1: Um, So I think that's super, super important to encourage girls to stay in support. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we both talked about not understanding the risks of losing your cycle when we were juniors. And when I lost mine, I didn't question it because I didn't know what reds was. I didn't know that it was bad for me. I just was like, sweet, that annoying stuff that happens once a month is now gone. So good. But like you said, you know, actually understanding it, you can embrace it and work with it. And it gives you confidence because you feel more valid throughout the month with how you feel and your training matches it. And you sort of, I guess, have more compassion towards your body. I think that was a really big thing when we talked to the scholarship girls that we worked with, was like being able to take days off and having compassion for your body. And I think understanding your menstrual cycle allows you to have more compassion for your body because you're like, oh, well, that's actually going on in the background. I'm really tired here. I'm going to take that day off and rest. And just also understanding like, sport is a long-term thing and the way it makes us feel is more important than you know smashing your body at a junior as a junior and not being able to be sustainable long-term in sport so I just think having days off can be really scary and for me I know it took a long time to get to a point where I was like this is better for me to actually rest and recover than to push through all the time and I think that was one of the biggest things that came from that mentorship program was that the girls felt they understood their bodies more so they understood that taking rest days was actually good for their training and you know that's that's powerful because throughout their life now they've got that as a tool and they can use that to get better because you will get better you know getting adaptation and getting fitter and stronger and blah 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 comes from resting alongside your training and i think you know like you said societal pressure is on us all the time to be doing all these things go 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 training every day pushing all the time but like you actually need to rest to get better uh so i think that's a massive one and then i think another one as well that that we have talked about a little bit is that competitive side like you said lids so many girls do sport to have friends and because it makes them feel good. They don't really want to be massively elite. They don't want to get in the A team. They don't want to do these things and some of them do. So, you know, whatever the split is there, some really love that competitive side and love that really, you know, high pressure competitive nature of sport, but some don't. And I think a lot of sport you know you are praised if you get into the A team and your parents praise you if you get into that team and you know that whole mindset about that being what success rides on in sport is really bad for the girls that don't want that side and don't enjoy it and I think like you said then they end up just being like well what's the point because I didn't make the top team so I should just quit but I think if we change the whole conversation about like how it makes you feel you've got your friends and I think this is the thing that schools need to do and clubs is to have a competitive grade and to have a non-competitive grade and that competitive grade is the ones where they want to the girls that play that that grade are the ones that really want to push high you know they want to they got big dreams and then the other for that sporting side and then the other is the one where sport is for fun it makes them feel good and they get friendships out of it and it's good for their mental and physical health like I think that whole aspect is missing entirely in sport and for girls it's a really important factor in staying in sport and then one more that I'll touch on and I think for me is like really important is like the uniforms as well because I touched on how for so long I've struggled to be in a crop top and I cried when I got given a crop top at Nitro Athletics and I think you think about a girl who's young and going through all these changes in her body and she is really feeling quite self-conscious and insecure. And she's been given this uniform that's super tight and revealing in a lot of sports. That's just going to make her want to quit. Like, I don't want to show up. Like when I had that crop top, I didn't want to show up and race. And that was literally because of a uniform. And I think like we need to make sure that we've got baggy gear for girls, if that's what they want, or the tight gear for girls, if that's what they want. We need options because not everyone is the same. And that needs to be acknowledged a lot more than it is at the moment, I think. Mm, definitely I
0: so remember when I was at high school and we were racing cross-country and I was pretty insecure in my body although I loved running I think I still was super aware of what I looked like and I remember wanting to like wear baggy shorts and stuff and always thought I was bigger than the girls around me and that, that uniform piece was such a big part of it I'm pretty sure our cross-country shorts were um like Canterbury rugby shorts and like I was so stoked that we got to wear canopy Rugby shorts because they were like that. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, I think more awareness needs to come around how girls feel in what they wear. And they should be offered options because some girls want to wear a crop top and they feel fast and fit and ready to race when they wear a crop top. And then other girls don't feel confident in the crop top. So I think when it comes to looking at uniforms, whether it's a club uniform or a school uniform, girls should be given the option and they should be able to choose what they want to wear. I think. Gone are the days, well, should be gone are the days, uh, that everyone has to wear the same thing to look a certain way, like when, it, especially when it comes to sport, girls should be comfortable um, in what they're wearing. So uniforms are like part of it. And I guess that's one of the things that we can try and push for to help like better these issues and keep young girls in sport. But I think some other things, when we speak about like the pressure that we feel and expectations that are put upon young girls, like so often when I was young, I saw parents on the sidelines of the races I was going to, who were just putting so much pressure on their child to perform and coaches. And I think it's just so important for parents. And I, I, I know I'm not a parent, so I can't speak from being a mother myself, but from growing up in a world where I see parents putting so much pressure on their kids, it is the worst thing for your young girl to feel is the pressure from your parent, their parents. Like I was very lucky growing up with two very supportive parents who really like loved seeing me perform and perform well, but they never pressured me to win. They never pressured me to be the best. Like they would be there on the good days they'd be there on the bad days, but it was kind of like, I just, they knew how much I loved it. And that's why they were there to support me. And I, I just remember seeing these girls at races and their parents would be yelling at them and screaming at them. And and even like before the race, I would see them warming up and their parents are like making them do hill sprints and stuff before they even got into the race. But at the end of the day, like you were saying, yes, sport should be a long-term thing. It's a long game, especially running. You look at most of the elite running girls that are running really well at the moment. They're all like late 20s, early 30s, even if not late 30s. And that's when they're performing their best. There is no point to become your best athlete self As a teenage girl, my coach always said to me, no one remembers a young athlete, like be patient. You've got lots of time. And even at my age, 32, I'm still like, I've got lots of time, like be patient. Um, And that's a big part of why I'm still running competing well now, I think, is because I was told that when I was younger. And it just really breaks my heart when you see these young girls who feel like they have to be winning all the time to get recognition and, and feel that worth Um, as people as who they are just through their performance like it's so sad because it just creates such a negative relationship with sport and really negative connotations around the idea of performing when it should be all about having fun and the mental and physical health benefits that you get from the active sport not just like I have to be here to win because I had this pressure and expectation on me from my coach and my parents to do so. So I think that's a big part of like how we can actually encourage girls to stay in sport is just like being super aware of that pressure that the girls are feeling and remove it whenever we can. What are some other things, S, would you say that we can do to like try and keep these girls playing sport?
1: I think, you know, we touched on it so many times. It's like terminology. Obviously we talked about it last week. Not talking about the way someone looks and, you know, scrutinizing female bodies and putting girls in certain, I guess, molds that your mind believes to be the best athlete in particular sports. So I think stop talking about what they look like. Do not scrutinize a girl's body. Do not talk about the way she looks. Do not talk about making certain weights unless that's for a particular sport. And to be honest, she should be at an elite level to be doing that anyway and she should be getting guidance from a nutritionist who helps her keep her menstrual cycle, if that is even a factor. But as a junior athlete, you just don't talk about her body. I think the only way you talk about her body is educating on physiology. So we talked about it and no, you know, the, the feedback we got from the young girls we worked with on the mentorship program was that knowing about their body made them feel, feel more empowered and more understanding of their body and their physiology. So I think Stop talking about the way they look, talk about how they're performing, how it makes them feel, the enjoyment they're getting out of it, uh, the friendships. And then also if you are talking about the body, it's about physiology and the way your body works, not how it looks. So I say that's like massive because I know, you know, having Annie on last week and we had a massive response from a lot of people about you don't look like a runner and how much that is, I guess, triggering for a lot of women because so many women have heard that statement or it's been implied to them that that is them and that just impacts your confidence so much so if you were to say anything like that to a young girl just just imagine how how much that will impact her and her confidence for her for the rest of her life i think for me like no one actually ever told me straight up but my coach was saying Lena is better blah 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 and telling you know I was told by that man you don't look like a runner and like Annie said that's really triggering because we are runners and there's no one look that makes someone a runner and that's the same with any sport so I think yeah steering clear of talking about the way someone looks or a female looks and then educating is massive
0: mm. yeah definitely and when we tie it all back to like that confidence piece like if you are a coach or a parent of, you know, a child who is playing sport or a leader in a sporting organization, just being so aware of how you can actually build confidence in girls is the most important thing. Like think about what you're saying to them. Think about the environment you're putting them in. Think about the way you are coaching them and training them and focusing on like the fun element of the sport versus just like it always being about performance. I think When kids get rewarded for performing well, then that's what they put their self-worth on. Whereas if we can reward everyone, because at that age, if you're good at sport, it's most likely because you're naturally talented. And natural talent as an athlete is only ever going to take you so far. If you reward those naturally talented athletes who are performing well, they won't learn how to work hard. And when you get into your later life, 20s and 30s, it's hard work that is going to take you further than being naturally talented. And if a naturally talented athlete hasn't learned how to work hard, most likely they're not going to continue to play sport or perform at the level that they did when they were a child. So making sure that we are rewarding everybody equally and actually potentially rewarding the hard workers more than the naturally talented who potentially are at the top can really help as well. So yeah I think that's a, a really important piece is that I think a lot of kids at that age compare themselves to each other and a lot of them are genetically born to be good at that sport at that age and and then a, a child who isn't naturally talented is comparing themselves to them and just not getting the rewards that other, the others are so Uh, We just have to be aware of it, I think, and and really make a point to just give equal opportunity and attention to everybody who is partaking in that sport, because that's what's going to encourage them to stay in the sport.
1: Yeah, I think that's really, really important because I think for me anyway, I was praised a lot when I was younger for winning. And so when I didn't win anymore, when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18, I didn't want to do it anymore. And that was all probably because I, all of my self worth rode on the fact that I was, a, was winning. And then when that's gone, it's like, wow, well, mm-hmm. I suck. You know, mm-hmm. that's literally where my mind went. So <laughs> I think, yeah, like you said, rewarding for participating and like being out there and giving it everything is way more important than rewarding on who wins or, um, yeah, takes first place. And then the
0: last one is just like talking about those, you know, societal expectations that are put on girls. I think we've grown up in a world where girls have to be seen as perfect, you know, like have to be doing everything um, and doing everything a hundred percent and doing everything. Well, I think making girls aware that like, we are not all good at everything, you know, like I think we get told a lot to focus on our weaknesses and not reward our strengths, but actually, you're never going to be good at everything. So why don't we just like lean into our strengths and reward those strengths and use those to our benefit. And then ultimately that will lead you to doing something you love because most likely if you're good at something, you're going to enjoy doing it. So pushing back on those societal expectations of for girls where they have to kind of be ticking all, you know, all boxes um, and just being like, do you enjoy that sport? Are you like having fun doing it? Awesome, like encourage those girls to do that and uh, not put pressure on them to have to like figure it all out at that age because they already have so much pressure and expectation going on in their own own minds coming internally. We don't need that to be exacerbated by external pressures as well. So yeah, confidence is a big one. That's the one we want to grow. And we know that sport can do that. And it's kind of like this vigorous cycle of like, you need confidence to play sport, but then you get the confidence from sport. So how can we kind of like, yeah, jump in there and encourage the cycle of like girls growing up, being confident in themselves through sport and then continue that confidence to play sport as they get older and and hopefully, you know, in their later lives as well. And then take that confidence into it all other areas of your lives and stand up and speak when women need to speak, which is all the time. So hopefully you've got something from this episode. I know we've covered a lot through this episode, but it all kind of is intertwined into this conversation of equality and, and pushing back down those gender equality barriers and, making some space for for females. So thank you so much for listening to us. If you do want to get in touch with us, you can hit us up on Instagram at femi.co or head to our website, femi.co. If you enjoyed this episode or any other episode, we would love for you to go and rate us. So if you can just jump into Apple Podcasts and give us five stars and leave us a comment, we would very, very much appreciate it. That would help us to get the word out more for females. So thank you so much if you can do that. But we will be back in your ears next week with an incredible guest. So stay tuned for that one. But in the meantime, thanks for joining me. Thank you.